Hello and welcome to another episode of Nature Check. If it's your first time joining us, welcome. We're so excited for you to be here. Uh, just a note, this week's episode was filmed in front of a live studio audience in St. Louis at the Urban Chestnut Brewing Company. So you may notice that the audio quality on this episode is a little different than normal. Um, we have crowd noise in the background, so sorry about that. However, we really hope that you'll enjoy this episode with our two special guest players. Well, hi everyone! Players, <laughs> please take your seats. Oh, 
Oh, we did it. Wizards are always squishy. Um, and as if asking our show from of a live audience tonight wasn't exciting enough, I am stoked to say that we have not one, but two special guest players with us this evening. Um, my name is Jody Green. I've never played D&D before. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I know about this game, I learned from Nature Check. <laughs> Uh, I am an extension entomologist with uh, Nebraska Extension, University of Nebraska-Lincoln. I'm an urban entomologist, so my specialty is termites, bedbugs, roaches, and ants. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, am I allowed to keep the same line? I'll keep that secret. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm also happy to be here. I'm Jonathan Larson. I am an assistant professor at the University of Kentucky. And I'm an extension as well, and I've played Dungeons and Dragons, but only the first edition before. So uh, this is going to be a new experience for me as well. Old school. Uh, pardon our tech, we only have one microphone, so we're going to do the passing it back and forth thing. Try not to knock over all the drinks, we'll see how that goes. Um, before we actually start playing D&D, there are a few things I need you all to do. First of all, if you're here in our live audience, which I guess is the only choice, because we're not live streaming, because faulty Wi-Fi. Come on up or go to the, the back bar and grab one of those Nature Check logo stickers and stick it on yourself or your phone or whatever. You can use that discount or that sticker to get a discount on beer at the bar. Secondly, uh, please do us a quick favor and let your friends know that we're playing and that you're here watching us. Um, we'd love to see them join the audience. Thank you. And while your phones are out texting everyone to get their butts over here, you should also jump on Twitter and follow us at, at @checknature. The pinned tweet on our profile page right now is a poll. Go ahead and vote on it right now. You've got like a little over half an hour left to vote. The results of that vote, that poll on Twitter, will determine what kind of night these guys are going to have. <laughs> so you get to choose what happens to them this evening. So vote, vote wisely, or not. And... Because I am a big fan of audience participation, uh, in addition to voting on our poll, you've got one other way to be a part of our game. Anytime this evening that any of these six people up here rolls a d20 and fails the check, put your hands in the air and I'll pick one person to ask that player a question. Questions can be about the player's research, or their occupation, their science communication, their favorite food, their characters, whatever. Um, so get ready to ask those. No, if you fail. <laughs> and with that, I guess we're going to get things started. And hopefully more people will wander in. We're going to play D&D regardless. All of the text is all the tech problems are always Peter's fault. But I broke my game screen, so that's my <laughs> Civilizations grew, flourished, and fell on the continents of Lacidus for hundreds of years. But in the year 885, everything changed. Where once the gods of the Pantheon held sway over various continents and made their presence known in frequent and tangible ways to mortals, now a dread of silence and emptiness reigned. Civilizations fell into internal turmoil, and tensions mounted between empires. The faiths of nations were shaken, and new versions of old religions began to sprout. Spells once commonplace and relied upon 
those that required the gods' particular attentions, no longer functioned. Access to and contact with all other planes disappeared or seemed blocked. The continent of Arda, still colloquially known as the God's Garden, was once the sacred and protected realm of Obidhai and Elana. At the moment of the loss, the strong protective spells surrounding the continent fell, and the shores and interior became accessible to any who wished entry on whatever business. In 952, a ship from the Tenibrian Navy took shelter in the large river mouth at the southeastern corner of Arda, and the sailors erected a small fort for protection. Over the years, the fort grew into a town, and the town grew into a small city. While Tenibria officially holds no claim over Arda, no outside nation has yet claimed dominion over the continent, New Seachester is, for all intents and purposes, a Tenibrian colony. You are not in New Seychester anymore. You are, as the townsfolk would say, out there. Yesterday, you met a farmer in the marked bird and agreed to help him investigate the mysterious deaths of his livestock. During the investigation, you met Bedward, an Ibixian scout who had been sent by his clan to track and gather information on strange creatures they had spotted roaming with a band of goblins in the grasslands east of New Seychester. After Bedwar helped you fight a group of monstrous mosquito-like creatures called Sturges, he requested that you visit his clan and speak to his chieftain in order to share what you knew of the strange creatures, orcs. You have stayed the night within the camp of the Hunaniar, the first humans, elf and dwarf, to ever do so. As you wake up, you remember that Ishva, the Ibixian wise woman, said she would have a task for you today. Now, it is early morning on Cordum, the 27th day of Mistrun, in the year 972. What would you like to do, folks? Uh, Cedric needs to go uh, do his morning prayers and wash his shirt. Um, <laughs> it's still covered in uh, bug, acre, blood, peasant blood, uh, mud, uh, from yesterday. So, he slept in it like that, but, uh, now it's, he's gonna try and do his best to, to get it clean. <laughs> and then he's gonna look around for everybody else for, for breakfast. Um, yeah, Bedward promised him some rat for breakfast, so. Well, um, as you remember, um, so you and Medware actually roasted some rats last night um, because he had to get up early this morning and go out with his cousin Raybert to uh, start uh, sending the message about the orcs to all of the other Ibixian clans so that um, the leaders could come together in sort of a big clan meeting to talk about this problem because orcs have never been spotted on Arda before. They don't know what they are, um, but Lucanus' description of the havoc that the orcs and other um, creatures wrought on his home uh, continent really concerned the Abixian clan leader. So uh, Bedwar is nowhere to be found this morning. Um, but the, uh, the sort of like young people's sleeping quarters where you spent the night, Cedric, uh, Lucanus and Fletcher are also there. Um, and Kay was sort of in another section with the young women. Um, so yeah, you're pretty sure of where everyone is. All right. Well, all right, after I'm uh, done with my morning prayers, my morning bathing, laundry, then I'm going to go for Lucanus and Fletcher. 
Kay unceremoniously wakes up and stumbles outside looking for people to eat breakfast with. Definitely not rat, though. <laughs> Lucanus is currently finishing sharpening his weapons, which is, by the way, not a euphemism. Uh, and uh, uh, he uh, starts out looking for Fletcher and uh, Cedric and Kay and all that. Um, where are you guys? Yeah, I think we're all together. I think we can Okay, so. Uh, I was not with them because I was in the women's sleeping quarters. Where are y'all? Where are y'all? <laughs> Where are y'all? I mean, Fletcher gets up and he sees Cedric out there waiting and walks over. Um, so I think the three of us are pretty much together and see you making your way through camp towards us. Um, and I guess we. Um, I guess once we're together, Fletcher did so. Where did where do we go from here? I mean, we know there's a pretty serious problem out here with these ogres. And if it's a problem up here, it could end up being probably a problem back in town for Kenny and everybody there. So, what should we do? Can I just say I'm like tired of all this stuff happening to my town? <laughs> like, our fish are bad, like, our bartender was like punched in the face. We have mosquitoes that are killing random people, and now there's like ogres. Ah, uh, first of all, they're, they're orcs, not ogres. It's <laughs> 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 a very big difference. Um, uh, second of all, I mean, maybe you should have thought about that when you decided to live on the frontier. The, the frontier is the, the forge in which more. I did not decide! I was dropped off on the street and abandoned! Well, that's news to me. <laughs> Good one, Cedric. How was I supposed to know that? Seems like it would only 
assist in protection of New Chester, discovery of new knowledge here, and if we help them, I feel like they might reveal a whole lot more to us about where we are and about this place. So, as long as she's not asking us to, I don't know, take out a dragon, I think we could talk about. Do they even have dragons here? I mean, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, there's money involved, and I get to beat the shit out of something. So, I mean, I'm good. I'm with you guys. All right, I think we're in agreement. Let's let's go seek out the. All right, yeah. So you guys head back to the um, the sort of. Uh, lean-to-ish structure um, where you met Ishvil the night before um, and you sort of, I mean, you can't knock on the flat, but you know, you, you sort of like let her know that you're there and she pokes her head <laughs> and she pokes her head out again and you see again this uh, this woman, uh, bipedal uh, goat person, the Abixian so she has uh, long curling horns and pure white fur, which is unlike any of the other Abixians you've seen so far. All the rest of them have sort of medium or dark colored fur with bleached uh, tribal-esque markings on them, but Ishbel has pure white fur, so she doesn't have any of these bleached markings, but she is um, adorned with a variety of necklaces and bracelets and things hanging from her horns, um, strings of beads made out of seeds and wood and stones and bone, and all sorts of interesting things. Um, so she indicates for you to come into her lean-to and says, oh, I'm so glad that you came back to see me again this morning. As I said, I think I might have another task that you could do to help us, but first I've brought some tea. Um, so she sort of indicates there's like, you know, some pillows or blankets on the floor and you all can sit down and she hands each of you sort of um, handleless uh, pottery mugs with some warm tea. And then she takes one as well and sort of sits down and looks at all of you. Cutscene. Calder, Tempest, you woke up this morning and um, journeyed the last little bit of distance to the outskirts of the camp of the Hunanyar, where your wise man told you that you should seek counsel to solve your problem. Um, what would you like to do? Guess you had did an Irish accent the whole time, right? Scottish, Scottish accent. Oh, so well, I could I could do like a Sean Connery thing the whole time. Yeah. I really want. Yeah. 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 Uh, what do you want to do? Do you think we should just go ahead and head into town and feel good about this? Or let's finish this mission up, right? Yes. Encampment. And again, this, uh, the Hunamiyar, um, they're quite a bit more nomadic than your own clan. Um, so it's uh, not quite as established. The, the lean-tos and tents are sort of every which way. There don't seem to be sort of like avenues between them the same way there might be in your own camp. Um, are you asking for directions or you're just sort of going to follow your instincts to find where you need to go? Instincts. All right. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> which can make you roll for that? Um, let me see the 
Um, how about a wisdom check? Just a straight wisdom check. We won't use a skill. A d20 plus your wisdom modifier. You got a nine. Fifteen. Who's got a question for Jonathan? Because he failed. <laughs> Any audience questions for Jonathan? Who wants to know about Jonathan? Or, or about Calder, which we know nothing about Calder yet. No? Well, we'll save it. The Tempest. You are not as um, sort of excitable as Calder, maybe is a good way of putting it. You're just very mission-oriented. Um, and you are very clearly able to sort of examine the, the clan encampment before you and pick out the tent that seems like the right one. You know that's where the wise woman lives. That's where you need to go. So what would you like to do? <laughs> go there. Seen 
people anything like this before. Yeah. And you guys see those two descriptions. Um, but before any of you can really say anything, Ishbel turns to the two of you and says, I don't know your names, but I knew that you were coming, that you would need my help. So, what is it that you need? Because I think these people might be able to give you more help than I can. Well, we have just kind of gotten assigned to a grove outside of our village where we take care of the chestnuts. I convene with the nature and I do all the spells. She does all the choppy chopping. But lately we have been noticing some problems with the trees that were assigned to us. Uh, in these early days of spring, we have seen that the trees are leafing out, but there's bumps and patches on the leaves and buds and even on the younger trees. Twigs, the trees really just look kind of sick, and it's not normal, it feels weird, it makes me unhappy as the nature convener. I don't like it as a druid, and we can't figure it out. I've tried to talk to the plants, I've tried to talk to the animals, nobody knows what's going on, and our boss sent us here to you. So help us figure this out so we have something to eat. As he well should have, this is Mokta that sent you to me, yes? Yes. Wow. That sounds strange, and I, I do not know much about the tending of the trees, but the thing you describe is unlike, unlike anything that I have heard of. I've been around and am a druid myself, and yet I do not know of this sickness. It does not sound familiar to me. But I wonder, as I said, if these people who found us only yesterday might not be able to help you in some way. They are from another place, and the world is changing. And I wonder if maybe the sickness could not be from another place as well, and that they could help you. Friends, would you be interested in helping Calder and Tempest?
Yeah, so you, so you do notice that um, when the second the, the female Avixian spoke, she was only speaking in the language. You've heard it before, but Or spoke to his clan chief, and the clan chief spoke to Ishbil in what you would presume is the Avixian language, um, but the two of them had a side conversation, not in common. Um, so you know now that the, the male Avixian, this druid, Calder, um, with the badger, he speaks common, um, and of course Ish Ishbil does, because that's how she's speaking to you, but the other one, she did not did not choose to speak in a language that you would understand. So do with that what you will. Can I pet the badger? Lucanus <laughs> <laughs> walks over and scratches the badger on the ears because he secretly likes small animals. We're all going to handle animal check. <laughs> what sort of disposition does Imogen have? She normally doesn't like people. Uh, oh, it's not a one. It's not a one. You got a four. Plus. Oh, wait, what? I have a two-handle animal pose, so that's six. A six. Does anybody have a question for Joe? <laughs> Before he gets mauled by the badger? <laughs> you sort of reach your hand out, and Jen's like... <laughs> and she just sort of does that thing, and she like, gets her legs all ready. Yeah, I'm going to pull my hand back. Good choice. Alright. <laughs> Anything else? That big rat does not like you. <laughs> now you know how we all feel about you half the time. <laughs> Cedric, please don't try to eat our new friend. <laughs> oh goodness. Alright, so you've decided you will go help them. And you've decided you'll accept their help? Yeah? Yep. Right. <laughs> yes, you have to play nice because you're all sitting at the same table. Don't you want to do what the weird old goat lady told you she wants you to do? She loves you. Yeah. Alright, what are you going to do now? Try that to you. Try that to you. Yeah. Alright. After that? Let's go. I'm going to wire up his teeth. east of here, to where our people live, which is on the edge of the forest. And how far is that? We're going to do some walking. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> it's been a couple of days. But we have the badger, everything's going to be good. Okay. You, think, you think you can make us some tea to go? Yeah, Cedric's never had caffeine before, so I assume he's just got to be twice that. <laughs> I didn't say it was caffeinated tea. This is like good old-fashioned herbal indigenous person tea. Um, but yeah, so she sort of chuckles and hands you a cloth. The bag is kind of like burlapy in texture. It's got some more of that, like the leaf and flower mixture that she used. So you've got some tea mix, I guess. Um, huh? Just saying, in Ecuador, like our indigenous tea is made of cocaine leaves. So, <laughs> not everything is about Ecuador. <laughs> this is Florida. <laughs> There's no cocaine. At least I haven't put any cocaine in the world yet. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah. So she gives you a little uh, package of the tea mix. Um, and if you have something to boil water in, I suppose you can make tea for yourselves as you go on your journey. Um, so, Calder and Tempest, 
lead you out of the camp of the Hunanyar and east across the grasslands. So you are going farther east, away from New Seychester. You are absolutely not within sight of the walls of the city. I mean, you weren't when you got to this camp, but you are farther away than you have ever been from this city, Kay. And you guys, all of you except for Lucanus, maybe, are farther into the wilderness than you've ever been before. So it's very much like that scene in The Lord of the Rings where Sam says, if I take one step more, but you've already taken many more than that step. It takes you about two days to reach your destination. We're not going to roleplay through all of that, like keeping watch and random encounters in the night, because we've only got tonight, so we're going to skip it. Um, but basically, <laughs> you travel for two days. So the day when you met Calder and Tempest was the morning of the 27th of Mestrum. Um, so you sleep overnight and journey again on the 28th day of Mistrum. Um, and then you reach um, the, the edge of the... The And the morning of Savunam, the first day of Bloom Run. Dan Peach, wherever you are, the Scotch Gaelic thing is killing me. <laughs> These pronunciations are the worst. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, so it is the morning of Salunim. That's the equivalent of Monday for all of you playing at home. The first day of Bloomerun in the year 972. You are on the edge of the forest, and then you lead them into your assigned grove of chestnut trees, where, just as you described, uh, it's a grove of chestnut trees. Notice where we are tonight. Um, <laughs> some large trees, um, some small ones still establishing. Basically, all of the trees present with um, these sort of odd red-tinged bumps and round growths on the stems and the leaves, um, very much as Calder described to you when you met him two days ago. Um, what would you like to do now? Cedric's never seen trees before, so we shouldn't ask him about anything, but Fletcher actually knows things about things, so maybe he has an idea about things. Especially because we're your I guess uh, I want to roll to see if I recognize anything like what's wrong with the trees. There are signs and symptoms perhaps of the disease. Right. Um, um, so let's see if I recognize it. Are you doing a physical inspection? Are you just searching your memory? What are you doing? I think initially since we just arrived, it's just like memory from the visual I'm giving. Like we're not really like in depth doing anything yet. Then roll me a knowledge nature check. <laughs> it is the name of the show. Oh man. It's almost like I did that on purpose. Fourteen. Um, well, so growing up in farm country as you did, uh, this definitely looks like a plant disease of some kind. You don't necessarily think that there's anything sort of like nefarious or like magical about it. Like it, it seems like a plant disease. You've seen things like this on trees and crops at home, but like 
what it specifically is. So yeah, Fletcher pulls some, 
pull some of these galls off of the sort of the ends of the stems of a few of the chestnut trees and um, gives them to Kay. You have your dagger. All right. Uh, roll me a straight dexterity check. <laughs> she might be a rogue, but she didn't roll her points of dexterity. No, straight dexterity. Sorry. So it's just a twenty plus your dexterity modifier. Hey, after you're done with that, would you let me know if I could eat these things? She got an eight. Anybody have a question for Nancy? Or a question about Kay? That was a fail. <laughs> Where did you learn to do the makeup that you did for yourself and Pujo's Yeah, Nancy did the makeup on Joe and herself. Um, I used to do cosplay when I was living in the States, and now I just like Halloween way too much. So, uh, I learned it off of YouTube. So, uh... <laughs> That's what I'm deciding right now. Percentile dice, tell me, how does Nancy fail to put up in a doll? She did not cut towards herself. No, instead she just sort of, you know how when you're cutting open a ball, you can either get it right and you slice it right through the chamber so that you see the thing on one side, or you can like guess wrong and you slice the thing in half, she sliced it in half. So now there's just like, goo. There's goo. <laughs> Somebody else has to try that. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to try to cut this thing open. Huh? What do I need to do? Uh, 16 total. Alright, so Lucanus <laughs> very coolly takes the second gall from Fletcher and uh, expertly slices it in half with his dagger. Um, and inside, you see this little thing. It's like a little almost translucent wormy thing. It's not very big. You know, only maybe a few millimeters long. Sounds right. That's basically everything that's involved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could have been a fungus. That looks delicious. <laughs> Can you not eat it? I mean, yeah. I mean, he's, he's obsessed with eating rats. Why wouldn't he eat tree worms? <laughs> Would that really surprise you, man, at this point? I'm not But so this, uh, I'd say this, this looks like it's uh, an immature of some kind of insect that has infected the tree and it grows, the growths appear around this insect. So I'd say you have, there's, there's an insect here attacking the trees. Have you ever seen something like this before? Uh, we've had pest problems here and there, but it's usually enough I can slice it out. This is too big. So it sounds like uh, this either came from another part of Arba, perhaps, um, or 
as some sort of newly introduced insect. Um, um, now that I have, now that it's open, I've looked at it, can I now do like another investigation? I'd like to see if I've seen it. I rolled a 20. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right then. Um, so the way this works is that like, when you've got something that a DM is like waiting for the players to figure out, normally there's like sort of tiered difficulty classes for like, oh, they rolled a 12, they get this much information. Oh, they rolled a 15, they get this much. And he's just going to get the whole stat block because he rolled a 20. Um, <laughs> Fletcher. These galls are caused by caused by the Audronian chestnut gall wasp. The wasps lay their eggs on the stems of trees, and the larvae feed inside the galls until they are ready to emerge as adults at the beginning of summer. So probably around early bright run, which is about one month from now. So they're sort of mid-maturity. All members of this species are female. While infection by these wasps is not a threat to the lives of the larger trees in the grove, the smaller trees might be in danger if they're heavily infested. And any trees with galls will lose some of their twigs and they won't produce as many chestnuts. In Tenibria, where you're from, the Adranian chestnut gall wasp is best controlled by a host-specific parasitoid wasp, Adramus sinensis. <laughs> Stop <laughs> So one choice would be to control this infestation um, through introduction of that parasitoid to control the population of the uh, pest gall wasp. Um, alternatively, native parasitoid wasps could be bred and released in large numbers as an IPM strategy for integrated pest management. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's a wasp, lays eggs, makes the trees unhappy, you've got some options. Uh, okay. You recognize Adrana as the country where Leon is from. So it's another country on the same continent as Tenibria. I totally won't be back. <laughs> <laughs> so um, remember that bartender who's super nice to all of us and got the other ones about fish incident? Yeah, he's, he's from the, the place that I think that wasp is named after. It's not super close. It's not at all close. <laughs> not really close at all. <laughs> How long has he been here? Could he have brought personal effects that brought the wasp with him? And now it has found its way to these native population of chestnuts. Do you know? Is that someone, is that someone who's history you know? Like that. that seems like a lot of work to me. 
do you guys have any rearing facilities to rear native <laughs> bugs? We need to get you your ARDA biocontrol permits in order to ship them across county lines. Shit to study plants. 
Uh, how many of you guys watch old school westerns? Raise your hands. Handful of you guys. Alright, so, you know how tumbleweeds are kind of emblematic of westerns? Yeah, like none of them are native. So, uh, most of the ones that you see in uh, older westerns are usually either uh, Basia Scoparia or um, Russian Pistol, who my advisor, when he watches this, is going to be really bad that I don't remember the science with him. Uh, but uh, those were introduced um, late 1800s, early 1900s, and uh, they were introduced after the period where most westerns were set. So, most of the tumbleweeds that you see in westerns are actually like really highly invasive species. Are you telling me that Fievel goes west and lied to me? Yes. Yes. Hurt. Anybody else got a favorite invasive species? Yeah, it's a shiny. She likes the emerald ash borer because it's shiny. They are shiny. Yeah, it goes way over. If people are like, 
what is this thing? So, like, and they have one, and I'm like, oh, well, you're lucky. Uh, Brown Marmots, you could just, like, a couple people this year. So we're way behind, but things are coming across. I'm just trying to explain that, like, they're not, I mean, everybody panics. We don't have as many bugs as, as but in the grand scheme of things, they're very, they're very uh, freaking right? So that spot on the like, you, you can't talk to someone to prevent. It's always kind of reactive. But yeah, explaining that, you know, and a lot of times everyone's like, why is everything from Asia? And I was like, well, think about where we get products. Think about where you're getting things. Like, we, where did you get all these plants in your garden? Oh, Right, and so evidently I am like the expert of the jumping worms in Nebraska. So anytime that there is a new invasive, you have to explain. Yeah, just because they're non-native doesn't mean they're invasive. You know, it's uh, the uh, another thing I get asked about are the Chinese mantids. Right, should we kill them? So I'll pass it on to you. Oh yeah, it's always fun, especially in Nebraska. Japanese beetle, we have a hundred years of data for. Everybody seems to know about it where I'm from, but it blew their minds when it started eating all of their different plants. And I mean, I feel like they should have heard about it at some point before, uh, but preparation just doesn't seem to come into play for a lot of normal folks when it comes to invasives. Like when I first moved to Nebraska in 2014, we were warning about emerald ash borer for two years, another invasive species that somebody likes, I think they said because it's shiny. Uh, it destroys ash trees, all the different varieties and species of ash that we deal with. And we warned people for two, two and a half years, and when it showed up, everybody acted like the sky was falling. They were like, why have you never told, why, why, where was all the warning? It's like, right here, I have all these things on the wall. Uh, it's just, it's something that doesn't confront a lot of people until it kills their like, yeah. Aside from goats, on the Galapagos, we have a really big problem. I think it's a type of housefly or fleshfly, I can't remember. Um, but it's not a bot fly, despite having an issue in biology, but it's attacking one of the Darwin finches. So it's an endangered Darwin fish. Yeah, and it um, lives, like the larvae develop inside the sinus cavities and nose of the baby birds and like down their throat and stuff, and they die. Um, so we have this invasive fly in the Galapagos that's killing off like endangered Darwin finches. And it's yeah, if you want to, if you want to go to the Galapagos and do some research, there's an opportunity for you. I'm trying to remember. I, you guys were the ones that told me the story about the nursery truck that opened up and all the Japanese beetles flew out of the back, right? Is that you guys know? You told me that story about that. I feel I was kind of sworn it was you guys. Somebody was telling me that, that yeah, that they were like an egg inspect, inspection agent or something, and like a you know a truck pulled up to like deliver plants to a nursery, and like it was a place that hadn't been invaded with Japanese beetle yet, and they opened the door, and all the bugs flew out off the plants, and the inspector was just like, "You gotta be kidding me! Like I literally told you not to do that." <laughs> We probably talk about this all day. Uh, but like that, that gets to you know how invasive species move through our environment, and they tend to end up moving so quickly because we move them everywhere. Um, like when you think like Asian jumping worm again, because I get working in a botanic garden, I get calls and questions all the time about these kinds of things because homeowners hear about it, and 
and the only thing, since we don't know that much about it or how to control it yet, our recommendations are about just try to prevent spread of it. Um, which, and it's, which is really hard. Um, and you know, I think we have the quarantine zones for the spot of entry fall. That if people aren't really obeying that and you know checking their cars before they leave, like they don't understand that those eggs can be laid on literally anything, they could end up moving a mass into an entirely another state, like in the Midwest, and suddenly there's spotting fall. Um, and so it's we we assist in that dispersal so much, um, and and the number of non-native species we have is just gotten to the point that we have these like non-native or invasive complexes where we have like we have brown marmorated stink bug and then we also have Ilanthus tree having a Melania princess tree that are the preferred hosts of theirs in their native range. So now we have these invasive complexes of these things that it's like we're just recreating what they want from where they're from but in a different country. Okay, fine. One more. I just all right. So we're going to talk about complexes. My absolute favorite is um, so toad flax, an invasive weed that looks like a tiny little snapdragon. Beautiful, bright yellow flowers. And um, I, I noticed them one year. Actually, it was the first year that I ever worked in extension. I got really excited about it. Um, and there was a big patch of it right outside my office. And uh, so I was, I was watching it all summer bloom. Um, and I, I thought it was really cool because there were these bees that were coming and, and pollinating the toad flax, European wool carver bees, which are uh, another introduced species, uh, you know, pollinating this plant, which is also native to their native range. Was, oh, that's cool. They're, you know, they're, the, you know, this invasive species here also, you know, being pollinated by another invasive species. Like they're, you know, they brought their ecosystem over here. And then once the flowers set seed. The, the seeds developed into galls, and I got excited about that, and then I realized the, the galls are induced by uh, a weevil, which also native to Europe, that was introduced as biocontrol for the toad flags. It's like, oh, that's, that's really cool, that's neat. That's, again, another step to this ecosystem. And then on top of that, I, so I reared out some of the weevils for photographs, and it turns out there's a parasitoid wasp that attacks the biocontrol weevil that was then accidentally introduced after that. So there's this, you know, several trophic step interaction that, that you know occurred, you know, in the flower bed right outside my office. So that that's my favorite invasive species story. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, we could, but so so let's go back into character because biocontrol is one of the options that Fletcher could suggest as a fix to this Adranian chestnut gall wasp problem. That's a mouthful. Adranian chestnut gall wasp. So, uh, our trees, where I'm from, uh, do sometimes actually experience these galls. And there, there is another insect that, we, that I've seen that will attack the pest insect. But that's, there's no way we'll be able to get that from there to all the way to here in our um, So the best thing we may be able to do is perhaps see if we can find something here and, and try to encourage that in their fields of these trees and see if there's something that would recognize this ball and attack it. 
when the adults are out, perhaps we can just uh, get, spray some kind of poison. Do you have a private applicator's license? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Zero four. All right. I don't. Know. I don't speak your fancy <laughs> Nebraska codes or whatever. So there are these bugs that are attacking the trees, and we're going to just get more bugs to attack those bugs. <laughs> Could you explain that better? <laughs> You just explained it. <laughs> There's, so we have the, the pest that's making these galls that are harming the tree. But if we can get uh, basically something that wants to attack and kill the pest insect, they can start bringing the population of the pest down. And even if the galls are never gone, if the group bug is always around, there should never be enough balls to really harm the trees and they should really keep the food going. So, you're a tree, right? Can you, like, magically create some good bugs to eat these bad bugs? Cutting down all the infected trees and burning them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. 
Well, hi. Thanks for still being here. We are still Nature Check. We didn't change. I hope not. Why? Everybody's still who they say they are, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so again, I'm Cheryl, the Dungeon Master for this evening. And then we've got Joe, Peter, Nancy, Brian, Jody, Jonathan. Some of them are playing D&D for the first time or close to the first time. None of them have died yet. So we can change that soon. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Um, yeah, we're playing Nature Check. Don't forget to tell your friends that we're doing the thing. If they're here in St. Louis, they can come and watch and heckle. If they're not here in St. Louis, they can follow us on Twitter. They can find Nature Check as a podcast or on the YouTubes. Or all nights except for tonight where we had not strong enough Wi-Fi, they can find us on Twitch, where we will still have technical difficulties, but they won't be, hopefully, not this bad. <laughs> Unless Peter keeps cursing us. You know. Um, <laughs> so yeah, thank you for being here. Um, so to get us back into what we were doing, what were we doing? Um, so the crew had discovered that uh, Collar and Tempest's problem with their trees was that the chestnut trees were being um, infested by um, Adronian chestnut gall wasps, which are my not very creative proxy for the Asiatic chestnut gall wasp or the Asian chestnut gall wasp or whatever. Anyway, um, so it's a small wasp that reproduces parthenogenetically because hominoderms have cool sexual genetic stuff. So they don't actually have males in their species. So the females just lay eggs on chestnut trees, and insects are cool. Um, <laughs> they just lay eggs on the trees, and then the egg hatches, and the larva lives inside the tree, and the tree forms a gall around the larva because it's irritating, just like Peter. Um, <laughs> we can't have that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Fletcher was able to sort of dive back in his memory uh, growing up in a, the agricultural area in the southern part of Tenebria and realized that he recognized it as a pest and came up with a few thoughts on how they could maybe fix this problem, but the crew has not um, sort of solidified their decision yet. Um, so Calder and Tempest have decided to lead the group farther south in the Kilina Hayana. I said it right this time. Which means the unending forest in Scotch Gaelic, or Ibixian, because in this world Ibixian is Scotch Gaelic. Um, so they're leading them south farther into the unending forest to, to investigate um, other trees that are not part of the growth that Calder and Tempest were charged with um, protecting and sort of watching over. And I guess they're trying to see if other trees in the forest are also sick. I think that was that the plan. That's close enough to play. Okay, good. Um, so that's the thing that you're doing. So can I get uh, sort of how you are moving through the forest? I won't call it like a marching order because you don't have to be walking in a single file line, but like is one person or two people leading? You know, like what sort of, what sort of walking arrangement are you hanging out in right now? Cedric is in the back looking at the trees like he's never seen trees before. She's kind of, yeah, they're really tall, looking up at them, and every now and then, like, stopping and, like, touching them. <laughs> no, no hugging. No touching. 
Kay is waiting for Cedric to trip on the roof Kinsey, and is following his pleasure. <laughs> and not not in front and not back, but in the middle somewhere. Um, I'm in the front, and I'm really interested in the other barbarian that's around, even though I don't know if I can communicate with him. Just because he's like big and mean looking. <laughs> Oh, is that your type of Yes. 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 Oh, I'm, I'm kind of hanging out with her in the front so I can translate. Uh, I think I'm, I'm kind of trailing close behind Ben so that if they spot anything like trees or they recognize anything going on, I can, I'm there with them as they're noticing things. So I guess I mean K is kind of like Lucanus is just sort of skipping around, flipping the occasional log because, I mean, <laughs> bugs, right? Yeah. And, and salamanders. Well, I mean, I guess. <laughs> oh? But where is the badger? But where is the badger? Still around. Oh, yeah. Like a boa. It's a badger boa. <laughs> She'll get her exercise. Okay, so what I'm hearing is that Tempest and Calder are leading the way with uh, with the bed. Wow, you guys are the worst. Um, with Fletcher kind of right behind them, and then Kay, and then Cedric? Or, wait, where are you in this? You're all over? We're both in the back. You're all over. I'm just like running from rock to rock. Also, I'm the also I'm the manager because I still want to put it, but I don't want to get hit. Okay, cool. Alright, so Tempest and Calder in the front, Fletcher right behind him, then Kay, then Cedric. Lucanus is kind of it's taking the Billy path. If anybody's a family circus fan, I'm so old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why? Why are you mean? Fletcher only has five good points. <laughs> oh, he only has four good points. This is going to be some fun. Um, you don't have a constitution bonus? Oh, man. Alright, he's got four good points. Anyway. <laughs> well, that is the case. So you are heading south, um, sort of slowly, I assume, because you're sort of investigating as you walk. Um, south through the Kilenakarayaka. Um, so I need Tempest, Calder, and Lucanus to give me spot checks. Or, sorry, perception. I'm dumb. Perception checks. Uh, I got a 14. You got a 14. <laughs> perception. It's a skill you wrote in. Alright, so two 17s from the Abixians and a 14 from Lucanus? Yep. Nice. 
as you're walking along, all three of you suddenly notice something. You notice something as, as you're walking along, you're sort of skipping, the two of them are walking purposefully, looking at the trees, and that is in fact their mistake because they're looking at their trees when they should have been looking at where their feet were going and where their bodies were going because all of a sudden all three of you realize that you can't move anymore. And as you look down, you can see you are tangled in something. Something sticky, something red. It's maybe dripping a little? And Lucanus. It smells like blood. <laughs> oh crap. Oh initiative! Alright, let's do this. Five to ten? Okay. I was worried. 
I'm going to go inside and share your shame with the class. Where are all of the gods in the pantheon? Just roll the gas. Um, 
Yeah, so you take your you take your great axe and you hack down at this sticky red stuff that's tangled around your legs and part of your torso. It's getting all gross in your fur. Um, and you give it a mighty chop. Um, but it is still stuck to you. It is still stuck to you. Um, but that is your turn. Um, so now, the two of you who are in the front, you see this thing sort of move out from the shrubbery in front of you. It's big, it's red, it's got eight legs. There's this <laughs> It's a velvet mite, he says. Those things are so darn cute. I love velvet mites. 
Right? Have you seen the, the Oatmeal's comic about Velvet Mites? I love that. It's not a Velvet Mite. That would be fun. It's a giant spider. It is a blood silk spider. But you don't know that yet. But the audience does because they picked it. Thanks, guys. There's a lot, guys. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so Calder, what's your AC? You're flat-footed AC. You don't get your dexterity bonus because you are stuck. You don't have any dexterity bonus? Or, or I mean, you don't have any armor? Mm -hmm. So your flat-footed armor class is 10 plus the armor you're wearing. No, because that's the plus one for your leather armor plus you have a plus two dexterity, right? You have a plus one dexterity, so your leather armor gives you a plus two armor class? Okay, so that means that your flat-footed is plus two, so twelve. Because you don't have the plus one from your dexterity right now, so you can't move, right? So you can't dodge. That's what flat-footed means. Okay. So Calder is this thing crawls up to you. It reaches out with its palps and its mouth parts, and it bites you. I need to roll on the table. There we go. Oh. And you take five points of damage. Somebody got hurt. My favorite part. Alright, so you take five points of damage. Maybe. I killed a farmer. I did not kill the guest. The oh, guest no, survived. No, I killed an NPC. That's not a big deal. NPCs die all the time. <laughs> um, it was dark. Okay. And then, with its legs, it's reaching out and it's touching the web that is on Calder, and it's touching the web that's on Tempest, and you each... Oh. Oops. Not yet. Not yet you don't. Well, okay, so I, I had four different monsters picked out, so I didn't exactly memorize this one. Um, so it's just, it's touching the webs, touching you. It's touching the webs, touching you. Um, yeah, so that's, that's its turn. Fletcher, um, you hear Calder yelling in that language that you don't understand. Um, and then you see this kind of in between them you can see this I mean it's not it's not a medium creature like that I just picked a mini that was big enough that you could see it, it it's still a small creature so it's maybe the size of the badger 
you can see it kind of moving in between the two of them where they've stopped in front of you, this large red spider type thing. Yeah. Do I, since uh, I hear them screaming, can I, uh, do I readily observe that they're stuck? Like they're not moving, do I see what they're attached to? Okay. Then I'm going to uh, move. <laughs> but knowing that there is this stuff on the ground, um, is it everywhere or can I see where it is not so I can move where there isn't stuff that will catch me? So what happens if I try to burst my way out? 
mean, like, can I just Kool-Aid my way? Can I just Kool-Aid man my way out of this motherfucker? Uh, if you want to Kool-Aid man your way out, you can do a strength check, um, or you can do an escape artist check if you'd like to be a little more graceful about it. <laughs> yeah, I'll just strength check this. Alright, so strength 15, uh, score 4. Sure, Spider Silk has no tensile strength. Oh. 17 plus. Plus 4 for your strength. That leaves it a 21. You guys watch as Lucanus just like tenses and bursts it, and all of these little like strings of red web go flying. You are free now. It's also the end of your turn. But you are free now, so you can take the hat off of him. Yay, huh? Yes, and now it's all over. <laughs> well, actually, Fletcher is closer. I feel like it's on Fletcher this time. If you remember the scene from that one Fast and Furious movie where Dwayne the Rock Johnson just flexes his way out of the cast, that's literally what I just did. <laughs> that was way higher than the DC to get out of that web, so good job. Um, Alright. Uh, it's the top of the next round, um, but before it's Kay's turn, where that spider is touching the web on the two of you. <laughs> you each take three points of damage. And make a perception check for me, the two of you. And anyone else who's got a. Yeah, you two are the only ones. I mean, Cedric's kind of close. Cedric, you can also give me a perception check. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you're really in line of sight of the spider. <laughs> perception? 14? 11? Wow. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you can see the spider that well. I don't know That's not even Oh, oh, on that case. <laughs> what have we got over there? Perception? 14, 14, and uh, Cedric, 11, right? And a 22 over here. Um, so you guys are, it hurts, right? Lost another three damage each. Uh, Lucanus, even through your rage, as you're like looking around to see the source of this problem, and you sort of look up towards the two of them, and in between them you can kind of see the spider. Yeah. It's almost like the spider sort of like, pulses a little bit when that when you hear the two of them yell as they get hit. It's almost like the spider, like you see it like expand a little, maybe almost. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's your turn. Now you hear and see all kinds of chaos breaking out around you. I'm gonna see if there's anything around me to like not step on. I'm gonna try at least. Um, what if we go there? Um, the first time five is Okay. So 
this would be 20, right? 20 minutes, Plus, I think that's what you're saying. So I basically, well, I got a two. <laughs> 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 Call her a crossbow bolt goes sailing past your horns. <laughs> And now it's your turn. Uh, my special druid power is called Wild Empathy. Am I able to use that on a spider such as this pulsating red demon? So Wild Empathy. A druid can use body language, vocalizations, and demeanor to improve the attitude of an animal, such as a bear or monitor lizard. This ability functions just like a diplomacy check made to improve the attitude of a person. The druid rolls 1d20 and adds the druid level and charisma modifiers. It says that wild empathy can be also used on a magical beast with an intelligence score of 1 or 2, such as a bacillus or a Calder's doing and kind of 
shifts its attention over to Tempest. I just rolled a 20. Oh. <laughs> I can find it, sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> that is the lack of the Oh, alright. You only took 5 points of damage total. 2d6 minus 1 each is not very much damage. But still, 5 points of damage, and it bit you. Lucanus suddenly runs up out of nowhere. Call me, you can 
see him on the other side of the spider crimea, and he just takes out this giant great sword and slices right through its abdomen, and there's blood spurting. Yeah! Very nice, very nice. Um, I would like to I would like to add that that attack does not go anywhere near so Yes, <laughs> no. Yeah, it was very, very spider focused. <laughs> Alright, um, it's the top of the next round. Calder, Tempest, you each take two points of damage. And now it's Kay's turn. I'm gonna try and shoot it betterly this time. Still gonna try and shoot it. <laughs> Turn. 
And Nick is not happy about that. Um, <laughs> um, but it's also not happy about the hit that it got before. So, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for Lucanus this time. Just to mix things up a little bit. Okay, yeah, so the spider hits you. So wait, what? You're wearing your leather down here, right? Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> yep, okay. Um, so you take five points of bite damage from this spider. And it's Fletcher's turn. It's Fletcher's turn. Thank you. 
so Fletcher and Cedric, you both recognize that this is a blood silk spider and that they are um, magical beasts named for the blood red webs they spin. Um, so they're magical beasts. Um, Fletcher, you also realize that uh, blood silk spider webs drain blood from trapped creatures by boring into the flesh. You. Um, the spider consumes blood drained by its web, growing tougher in the process. So it was, in effect, draining hit points from people trapped in the webs that it was touching and gaining those hit points for itself. Yeah. And they don't like pants. So are these common in this? I've never seen them. Never seen them. Could could they be? Are these the good bugs that we're looking for, Fletcher? <laughs> <laughs> We want something that will eat. Bad bugs in balls, not blood. <laughs> Do bugs not have blood? Oh man! Lucanus <laughs> <laughs> is looting the spider, so can we eat these? Can we get out of the web? No, but we're free to go. I mean, 
while you're having this conversation. Um, <laughs> so it's not like, it's not like, oh, the spider died and the web just, like, fell away. Because that's definitely not how it happens in your house, right? Like, the cobweb still sticks around. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, but I, between the team, you can dispatch the remaining bits of web that are attached to Calder and Tempest without too much problem. Uh, and so, yeah, you guys are all free and unencumbered at this point. Um, and like I said, you are free to take any spider bits you want, or you can just leave. Whichever. Are we able to take any of the silks so that we can capture any rocks? So let's take them back to our houses, which we do that, yes. Uh, uh, we'll walk back towards camp. Sure. Um, there was a question over here I don't want to ignore. Um, the four sort of core players, uh, so Lucana, Cedric, Kay, and Fletcher, um, make just a straight intelligence check for me. This, this is the check we do when we're trying to remember things that we were told before. Can I build a hook here the spider? Yes. 
Nope, we're done. Because each time you try, it gets a little more smashed and gooey and, yeah, so, sorry. It's not one of those tricks that you can just keep going on. Um, but yeah, so, we've got kind of a, you know, mashed spider. Yeah, if you wanted to just kind of like... <laughs> yes. You can absolutely look horrified at this. <laughs> Tess's opinion of you guys has not improved, I think, even though she spent like three days with you now. <laughs> She's like, these are weird. These are weird. I've never seen them before, but they're weird. Um, yeah, so you don't really, unfortunately, get any like... You don't have a doggy bag of spider bits, per se. Um, like I said, that doesn't mean you can't take it home with you, but you kind of have to like... Scoop a loop all of it, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. So do you want to try to, like, just pick up what's left, or are you good? No? No, no spider goo? Okay. Cool. Alrighty, in that case, um, what would you like to do now? Yeah, we're going to go to their house. Alright. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> There's no value judgment associated with not living in a cave like a normal person. And it's just, that's, you know, you know, there, there are different types of places to live in. You guys live in these weird structures made out of dead trees. That's fine too. I guess. And rocks. You just take the rocks out of the ground and you stack them up. As opposed to just leaving them in the ground, living underground like a normal person. But whatever. Oh my lord. Um. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, so Tempest and Calder, you're taking it back to the Unicola? Okay. Um, yeah, so after maybe like, what? Yeah. Yes, that. Um, yeah, so maybe after like. <laughs> After like an hour or so of walking, um, you guys come to an encampment that doesn't look too dissimilar from the Hunamiara encampment that you were already in. Um, again, some tents, some lean-tos, uh, structures that aren't necessarily very, um, like, aren't intended to be very permanent, although in this case they look a little more permanent permanent than the ones in the Hunamiara camp, or um, they're sort of arranged in a little more, like, logical a pattern, as if they've been here for a little while and, pe and the people there wanted to make sure that it was easy to sort of navigate between them. Uh, yeah, so I'm assuming the two of you are going first. Yeah, so when the, um, when the guards on the outskirts of, outskirts of the camp stop you and they're like gesturing wildly and asking you in your own language, like, basically, who the fuck are those people behind you? What is going on? Like, you look like shit, but also, who are those people? Is it their fault?
So these guys are bigger and older than you, and they're kind of looking at you like, these kids, what the fuck they get themselves into? And they're just kind of like, and, uh, I don't know, they sort of like look back and forth between the two of you, and they look over all of you, and you have your hood down right now? Oh, no, I have Oh, you have your hood up? Well, in that case. Um, yeah, they see that all of you have weapons, and they see you waving furiously, and they're sort of like, <laughs> I mean, they look at the two of you and they sort of like snort and, um, you can bring your friends in. Where, where exactly did you want to take them? They were going to stay with you? Let's start by letting someone else make that choice about whether or not that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're gonna take them. They're gonna. No, I should. I should. So you're gonna you're gonna take them to Qatar. Yeah. Okay. We call the big guy. The big guy. You didn't want to read the pronunciations I gave you. Um, yeah, so you like start walking toward Kostan's place, and these two guards fall in line behind you guys. They're following very close, and they have their weapons out. They don't look exceptionally happy. You've only seen a few of Ixian faces at this point. These are pretty easy to read. They don't trust you. They don't like you. Again, um, you're getting the impression that like you are the first of your kind that many of these people have seen. But they, but they might have heard of you before, and they're not happy you're here. Ah, so you're going to the chief's tent? Yeah, okay. Um, you going inside? You're going inside. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come over here. Probably we can have this conversation with that man. We'll pass the microphone. Hi! Oh, it's a whole different perspective over here. Um, <laughs> so just, right, so, so you guys going inside and leaving the rest of them. The guards are going to watch these. The guards are going to watch those for Yeah. Okay. What are you going to do? I don't know. It's not going to be that time. We can't bring it back. Alright, let's go see the group. Alright, walk in. I explain that. Uh, I say hello. They have kind of bad. I'm very obesity. I say we went to Isabel and we asked for her help and it was very serendipitous. There were four great adventurers that were there and she vouched for them and said that they were going to come and they were going to help us to fix the chest up problem. And it's gone quick, right? <laughs> <laughs>
going to see Ishbel on the Kalamiar, and she had adventurers. Yeah, there were these four squishy hairless people there, and <laughs> yeah, he's the one that set us in such a chest. And she promised us that they had helped them, and that they, they were good folks, and that they would come, and that they could help us solve this issue. So far, they've been, they've been good. Like, they figured out there's a bug in there. Uh, they cut things open. He just sort of stops you. He doesn't. You already know this. He's not real into like details and sciencey stuff, right? He's, he became chief because he's the best fighter in your clan, right? Um, so he says, "Well, squishy and hairless. They sound weird. They are weird, but a good weird." A helpful weird. And Ishbil trusted them enough to send them out with two brand new grove keepers. And yeah. She sent some tea. How thoughtful. <laughs> Let me see these weird, squishy, hairless beings you brought with you. These great adventurers. Adventurers. I said adventurers. <laughs> okay, I want to go outside. And I'm gonna, uh, yeah, I'm gonna take these two first. <laughs> and I'm gonna introduce them first. Uh, this is Fletcher. He is a wizard. And a big seal. And he's the one that really helped us figure out the bug part. Uh, this is Kay. She's a human, she shoots arrows. You know, arrows? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yes, 
So, so he, he nods at you approvingly at this whole description of tough, and you said you pulled your hood down as you walked in. So he, he's listening to Tempest, and he turns to you, and you see his, he doesn't give a lot away, but his eyes go wide, and he kind of looks at you for a long time. Did you, did you look at him with his hood down before? Why didn't you leave with that? Chestnut five. If you'd like to try that. 
Yeah. Do you know chestnuts? I like red tables. Yeah, I like vegetables. Okay, this is just sitting here in the background. Ask you what vegetables are. Think of vegetables. <laughs> well, I've never encountered one in a while. But um, from my limited experience, their flesh is delicious. Uh, I, I would be more than willing to help you run one down and kill it if you need my help with that. Yeah, I'd be glad to put a spade in my mouth. Uh, we're sorry, but we're sorry. <laughs> we're not also culturally. Luckily, chestnut isn't a vegetable, and we don't have a club. We're already kind of dead, and uh, we can make you a nice dinner out of our chestnuts. And so, Tempest and I are going to cook them up uh, chestnut pie, and we're all going to sit down and eat it. Works for me. Thank you for your hospitality. Uh, I will let 
Tempest hold Imogen, and then when she's held by her, yeah, you'll probably be able to help you with that kind of Okay, I'm wondering if I can draw something um, to communicate with Dennis ideas about the situation.
What did you draw that? Chestnut trees in the long term? Yeah. 
edge trade chips and stuff, it might be a long-term solution, but I think we should try a bunch of different stuff and see what works. That's it. Could we ask Leon to Peter in his hometown? Thanks, everybody. 